the big give. Uh, it's been really fun because the postcards went out and uh, we got a number of calls this week from, the, from people who got the postcards and said, the big give, are you giving away stuff or what? You know, do we come in and it's like a, you, get, you get your lottery tickets kind of thing? No, um, not at all. The, the big give really stems from this concept that at Christmas time, you know, where giving just goes crazy, that all stems from Jesus. When you read the Jesus story, um, there is this concept that God gave his son to us, and that's the heart of the big give. But the, but the demonstration of the physical presence really comes in Mark 2, when the wise men come from the east, they follow the star to where Jesus is. Jesus is probably 12 months, 15 months old, and, um, and they bring presents of gold and frankincense and myrrh, and they give them to Mary and Joseph. Um, Mary and Joseph probably used those gifts because they were expensive, lavish gifts to fund their trip to Egypt to get away from Herod, who was trying to kill the babies. And, uh, and that expression of gifts to Jesus is what really is the foundation of our giving at Christmas time. Our, our mission at North Point is to help all people move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus. To help all people move toward a life fully devoted of Jesus. Our vision is to impact 50,000 people in five years with the grace of Jesus. To have Jesus' grace work through us to touch people. The Big Give, this series, is designed to help, that, uh, to, to help you do that in an incredibly cool way. Um, many of you, I think, have probably already picked these up, but after the service out at the hub out here, we have a copy of the book, The Sparkle Box, to give to each family to help you this Christmas put Jesus at the center of Christmas. Um, I, I don't know if this is true for me or for all of us, but... Um, Christmas is a crazy time, right? Lots of parties, lots of stuff going on, lots of advertisements. Every, everything says, oh, you've got to have this, you've got to buy that, you've got to do all this stuff. The Sparkle Box is designed to help us give in a way that honors Jesus. And so I, I'd like to read this book to you after, we'll talk about it in a, in a second when it's done. Um, on Thursday mornings, every few weeks, I go to uh, First and Al Elementary and I read to the kindergartners. It's a hoot. It's, it's great fun uh, to have them gather around. And so if any of you want to come down and just sit by the chair, bring your mat and your, your uh, all right, all right, here they come. We had some first service as well. Anybody that wants to come down, that's great. Got, do you have your milk cartons? <laughs> um, this, is the, this is the Sparkle Box by Jill Hardy. Snowflakes swirled through the air as Sam and his mom stopped to look in the toy store window. With Christmas only a few weeks away, Sam needed to make his Christmas list. He tugged on his mom's sleeve and pointed to the train. He loved the shiny red engine. Later, as Sam and his mom curled up on the couch to read a Christmas book, something sparkly on the mantel caught his eye. Mom, is that a present for me, he asked. Sam's mom tousled his hair. It's a special gift called a sparkle box. We'll open it together later, but we need to fill it first. Sam was excited, but it was hard to wait. Driving home from school the next day, Sam's mom stopped at a building he had never been to before. She asked him to help her carry in some food and blankets. Sam peeked into the bag he was carrying and noticed a box of macaroni and cheese. His favorite. What are we doing with this stuff, Mom? She smiled and said, 
We're giving it to people who don't have enough food to eat or blankets to keep them warm. But inside the building, Sam didn't see anyone who looked cold or hungry. Just a nice lady with a big smile who thanked them. On the way home, they drove by the park. It was dusk, and the pretty Christmas lights had just come on. As they stopped at a traffic light, Sam noticed someone on a bench, curled up and sleeping. His mother noticed, too. There's someone who may get one of our blankets, she said softly. He doesn't have anywhere to live. Sam felt bad. It would be sad to not have a home to live in. Sam hung up his coat. It was good to be home. As he sat at the kitchen table to have a snack, he noticed the sparkle box gleaming on the mantel. Mom, did you put anything in the sparkle box yet? He asked shyly. Well, actually, I did put something in it today, she answered. But it's still not ready to be opened. We need to add a couple more things to it. Sam wondered what was inside. The days flew by, and soon it was time for one of Sam's favorite events, the Christmas party at his dad's office. There was always lots of delicious food and a present for every child at the party. Sam's dad thanked everyone for coming. He talked about how blessed they were when many people in the world struggle for something as simple as clean water to drink. He said a village in Africa would receive a special gift this year, thanks to money donated by employees and their families. The gift was a well that would provide clean water for the entire village. Sam asked his mom if his family helped. Yes, dear, she, we did. He looked around. The grown-ups were smiling, but he saw tears, too. Happy tears, his mom whispered. As his dad tucked him into bed that night, Sam thought about his Christmas list, and that reminded him of another present. Daddy, did you and Mom fill up the sparkle box yet? Sam asked. Well, we added something to it tonight, but it's still not ready to be opened. Sam drifted off to sleep, imagining what could be inside. A few days later, Sam was filled with excitement as he shopped with his mom. Tomorrow was his school party. There was a Christmas tree called a mitten tree, where the kids could hang mittens, hats, and scarves for people who needed them. Sam picked out the biggest pair of mittens he could find. He also bought a candy bar for himself with his own money. When he turned to leave, Sam heard the tinkling of bells. He looked up and saw the man from the park bench coming in the door. The man seemed tired. Sam looked at the candy bar in his hand and thought about the mittens in his bag. He looked at the man's hands. They looked cold. Sam's heart began to pound. As quick as a wink, Sam slipped his candy bar into the bag with the mittens and pressed the bag into the man's hands. Sam ran out the door shouting, Merry Christmas! His mom gave him a hug. I'm proud of you, she whispered. I know that wasn't easy, but you brought a little light into his, into his world tonight. Sam asked his mom if they could drive by the park. As he watched the flame on the giant candle blink on and off, he thought about how unfair it was that some people didn't have a home to live in or food to eat. Soon it was Christmas Eve, the most special night of the year. Sam and his family gathered at their church for a Christmas Eve service. They sang songs and listened to the story of the first Christmas. 
Then in the darkened sanctuary, a single candle was lit. That candle was used to light other candles, and soon everyone was carefully passing the flame from one person to the next until the whole room was filled with a magical light. Sam looked around. How lovely, how peaceful they all looked as they shared the light. On Christmas morning, Sam ran downstairs as fast as he could. Under the tree was the train with the shiny red engine. And what was that? The sparkle box. Sam could hardly wait to open it. Sat on his mom's lap with his dad snuggled in close. Sam slowly lifted the lid of the box. Inside, there were just a few pieces of paper with words written on them. Puzzled, he took the papers out and began to read the words out loud. Mittens and a candy bar given to someone in need. Warm blankets and food for the homeless. A well in Africa that will provide clean drinking water. Sam's mom explained, Sam, the sparkle box is our gift to Jesus on Christmas Day, his birthday. Sam was confused, but we didn't give Jesus a gift. We gave things to people who needed them. His mom smiled. You're right, and no gift could make Jesus happier. He taught us that whatever we do for people in need, we do for him. So each year, we'll think of some special gifts to give Jesus. We'll write down these gifts and put them in the sparkle box. On Christmas morning, we'll open the box and read out loud the gifts we gave in honor of his birthday. Sam thought about the man curled up on the park bench, the mittens and the soft blankets, the well that would bring clean water to a village in Africa. He looked at his mom and smiled through tears. Happy tears, Sam whispered. The end. <laughs> okay, boys, go back to your seats. Uh, it's been a really cool thing to, to look at the book. We hope that you'll take those and that they will become a part of your Christmas tradition, not just this year, but in the future as well. In the back of the books, there is a, an envelope, looks like this, that has a, a little sleeve on it, and it has a sparkle box, some assembly required, that's there that you can unfold and put together and have for each Christmas that you can use, again, to, to just have an opportunity to think about what kind of gifts that you can give to Jesus. We wanted the sparkle box to be a big reminder for us, and it's big. Uh, we, appreciate, we appreciate the team that, that did that together. Um, through the process, I had an opportunity to talk to Jill Hardy, the, the woman who wrote the book, and, uh, and she made a video for us to play here at North Point. So take a look up on screen. Hi, North Point. My name is Jill Hardy, and I'm so excited to hear you're going to do the Sparklebox tradition this Christmas. The book was written to share the tradition with other people because it brought such joy and meaning to my family at Christmas time. What do you do for a Sparklebox? You think, what would Jesus want for Christmas? And what he taught us is that nothing can make him happier than when we take care of each other. So be on the lookout throughout the holiday season for ways to be a blessing to someone else. Discuss it around the dinner table. What can we do to be a blessing? 
and then write those gifts down, put them in your sparkle box, and on Christmas morning, read out loud to Jesus the gifts you're giving in honor of his birthday. I promise you, you will feel a joy greater than you've ever experienced before. And inspire others to do this tradition as well. On social media, you can hashtag MyStoryNorthPoint and hashtag the Sparkle Box Challenge. Together we can encourage everyone to give a gift to Jesus this Christmas. Um, we, have, we have a copy for each family. If you would, just take one, one per family. Uh, if, uh, if we have some books left over in the next few weeks, if you'd like to get a copy for somebody else, uh, we can, we'll talk about that. We'll just kind of see how it goes. We gave away 200 copies of the Sparkle Box yesterday at the DeWitt uh, Christmas Festival. Really, really cool. We, uh, we're giving away 70 copies this week through the YMCA here in, in DeWitt. They're, they're distributing them as well. And our hope, our deepest desire is that it would be a tool that um, helps people as they prepare for Christmas to see Jesus at the center of, of their Christmas celebration. The, the Sparkle Box it really is a direct extension of our vision to impact 50,000 people in five years with the, with the grace of Jesus. It's a tool that we can use to do that. Uh, in the book, Sam encounters a, a man who's hungry and homeless, and he responds by giving him a candy bar. Uh, that's, that's the expression that he had bought for himself. Today's message is called A Heart for the Hungry, and, and, and it really is to just challenge us, to challenge us to have a heart for the hungry. Um, it seems like we talk a lot about hunger. In our culture, we talk about uh, hunger a lot here at North Point. In, uh, in 2015, we started that, the year by packing 60,000 meals that went to Haiti to help families in Haiti that were hungry. In uh, 2016, we packed another 50,000 meals that went to Haiti. This year, uh, earlier in the year, in, in, uh, in February, March, we packed 10,000 meals. We partnered with Generosity Feeds to to, to uh, pack 10,000 meals that would stay right here in mid-Michigan and help with the, with the um, problem of, of hunger here in our area. Hunger is a, a big deal because physical hunger can be devastating. For most of us, that's not, uh, that's not a problem that we struggle with, for most of us. But physical hunger can be devastating. Nine million children... When nine million people worldwide die every year of hunger and hunger-related issues. That's more than twice as many as die of tuberculosis, AIDS, and, um, and malaria every year. More than twice the number of malaria, AIDS, and, and tuberculosis. Nine million people. That's crazy. One in nine people worldwide suffer from malnutrition. Um, malnutrition in children under the age of five causes what's called stunting. It, it stops their growth and, and it makes them not grow as tall, makes their muscles, their bones not physically developed the way that God designed because they don't have the nourishment that they need. Nearly a half a million children every year go blind because of a vitamin A deficiency that's directly, result, uh, that's directly the result of malnutrition. One in six Americans face what's called food insecurity, which is the lack of access at times to enough food for all family members. Food insecurity. Hunger, hunger um, for most of us, when, when we're hungry, what, what do we know about that? It, make, it just makes us angry, right? We get 
I got to have something to eat. But hunger impacts our physical bodies. It impacts our brains in very clear ways. It develops the development of our cognitive, social, and emotions. It impacts our child's ability to learn to read, to form language, to pay attention, to solve problems. Hunger, I feel like I'm getting hungry right now just talking about it and my brain's going out. Um, hunger Im- impacts academics. For most of us as adults, we recognize that when we're hungry, it, it impacts our ability to focus and to see with clarity. Hunger can be devastating. Do you know that hunger is one of the conditions that Jesus used to describe himself here on earth? If you have your Bibles, take, take them out and turn to Matthew 25. If you've got the app, go ahead and open that up. We're going we're gonna to read in Matthew 25, starting in verse, 30, in, uh, verse 34, and just kind of read down through uh, most of that from verse 34 to 45. Jesus is telling a story. He's telling a parable uh, to the people who are around him. And he tells about this king that, that separated people on his right and his left. Jesus said, Matthew 25, verse 34, The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. What incredible words those are. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. Dropping down to verse 37, The righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Verse 40, The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry? He will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. You know, as, as I've reflected on my messages over the last several years, it seems like we've spent a ton of time in Matthew 25. I said, that, that we've gone there over and over again because uh, it, it's just fit into the messages. Why do, we, why do we, do, we do that? Why do I keep going back there? It's for this reason. It's because I don't think that we really get that in our heart in Matthew 25. I don't know that I get it in my heart. I know in my head that Jesus said, as much as you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. But I don't actively seek the least of these to be able to respond to Jesus, to be able to live out my faith for him. I think that the least of these, those people who are hungry, are all around us, and we just miss them. We need the reminders. You, you, may, you may say, you know what, I, I want to help hungry, but I don't really have that many resources. I don't, I don't really have that much to be able to give to somebody in need. Uh, I ran across a quote this week, a statistic that, that's crazy. Um, the, the amount is $32,400. If your family income is more than $32,400, you are in the top 1% of income in the world today. So if you take 100 people from around the world, and you make $35,000, you're 
you're the person that they point to and say, that's the rich person. That's the person with all the resources. God has blessed us so abundantly. We need, we need to let our radar, our antenna fly for people around us in need. This Christmas, if you want to give a gift to Jesus, feed someone who's hungry. It may be somebody that you know. It may be somebody here in our area. It might be somebody on the other side of the world. It might be through an agency or an organization. But develop a heart for the hungry. On Christmas Eve this year, we're going to take up a special offering. Um, and, and a third of the offering will go entirely, well, all of the offering will go away from North Point, but a third of the offering will go to the Greater Lansing Food Bank. And through the Greater Lansing Food Bank, the money that we give here will go to the food pantry uh, at Redeemer Methodist Church, just right here in DeWitt. Um, part, of them, part of the money will go to, um, to the basic needs pantry that's up in St. John's. Part of the money will go to Beacon of Hope Pantry in St. John's. In that way, we here at North Point will partner with, with Redeemer, with First Baptist of St. John's, with the, the, the people who lead um, uh, basic needs. And together, as a body of Christ, we can help make a difference for people who are, who are hungry in our area. The biggest thing, though, is to ask God to give you a heart for the hungry. For ask God to not just have it be on your mind, but have compassion grow inside you because that's the heart of God. I want to lead us in just a short time to pray about this issue right now. So if you would just bow your heads and let's pray together. Um, God, we come to you this morning and, and are aware again of people here in our area God, who are hungry, who, who have needs for nourishment, people who are struggling financially, can't buy the food that they need. And God, we ask that you would take care of them, that you would meet their needs. Lord, we, we pray for hungry people who are hungry around the world, people that are in impoverished places that can't find enough to eat anywhere. Lord, we ask that you would provide for them. God, my, my prayer right now is that you would be with the people who lead and work those food pantries that we just talked about, that, that you'd be with the, the people who lead and work at Greater Lansing Food Bank, at, at Redeemer, at, uh, at Basic Needs, at Beacon of Hope. God, that you would encourage them, that you would give them the right words as they, as they speak to people who come who are in need. God, that you would bless them, that you would multiply what they have to help meet the needs of people. God, we pray and ask that you would help our hearts be tender and compassionate, that you would help us um, have hearts for people who are hungry. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's a second type of hunger that's critical for us this Christmas. It's, it's the hunger for God. Recognize that our spiritual hunger can only be satisfied by Jesus. At Christmas time, when there are so many things that compete for our attention, that compete for our focus, our spiritual hunger, that longing that's deep inside us, can only be filled by Jesus. 
We've been talking about us having a heart for the hungry, but it's important to recognize that God has a heart for people who are hungry for Him spiritually. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who what? Hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God has a heart for us to have a hunger for Him. Um, one of Jesus' closest friends describes a situation in John chapter 6 that happened where Jesus um, fed 5,000, uh, Scripture says 5,000 men, more people than that, with five loaves of bread and two fish. He did a miracle because as he broke it off, God supernaturally kept that, that food there and, and they filled baskets and, and distributed it to people. 5,000 people were, were fed their hunger was met by Jesus. And when all that was done, those people who were there went crazy. They thought, this guy is our king. We've got to make him king because if he can do that with fish and bread, imagine what he can do with an army. He'll be able to free us from Rome. They went crazy. Jesus slipped out of the crowd and, and, um, and went into the mountains to hide, to be with God, to be away from all the people. That night, the disciples hopped in a boat and, and left Tiberias where they were went out onto the Sea of Galilee and a storm blew up. Big waves, lots of wind. They were scared. Jesus walks on water supernaturally. He walks on water to where the boat is and guides that boat into Capernaum. The next morning, the people in Tiberias wake up and say, where is Jesus? Where's this guy that we want to make king? And they start asking. They realize that only one boat left. Jesus went on the boat, but Everybody's in Capernaum. How how that happened? They all pick up and go to Capernaum. And John describes the situation this way in John chapter six, beginning in verse twenty-five. He says, "When they found when they found Jesus on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here?" Jesus answered, "Very truly I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill." Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus said to them, very true, this is verse, down in verse 32, Very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry. At Christmas time, when there are so many things that compete for us, we recognize in us that there is this spiritual longing for something more substantial than presence, more substantial than the, than the pretty trees and the trimming, more substantial than the great foods that we eat. We long for God. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I'm the one who can fill that void in you. And, and let me just say this morning, you know what, that, that that's absolutely true. He can, he can fill that hole. He can make sense of everything that we have and all that we are. You know, there are different kinds of hunger. I was thinking about this this week, thinking about this message, a heart for the hungry. You know, there are different kinds of hunger. There's a hunger that we have that comes just because we, most of us, eat three meals a day. So, you know, it gets to be noon, it's time to eat, we six o'clock. We don't really need anything, right? We've got plenty of extra that's there, but we're so used to habitually eating that if we don't eat, we think we have to, right? That hunger can be satisfied by almost anything, Right? 
That hunger can be satisfied with a hot fudge sundae. It can be satisfied with ho-hos. It can be satisfied with a bowl of cereal. It can be satisfied with anything. It's just our, our mind says, we need to eat, and so we eat, right? There's another kind of hunger that, uh, that we have. It's a hunger that's triggered by our senses. A few weeks ago, uh, down in, uh, in the high school ministry, they fixed bacon and eggs for breakfast, and the smell of bacon was wafting through the auditorium up here, and it was like, I am really hungry. Now, I had just had breakfast an hour before, but that, the, the sense, the smell of that made me hungry, right? You know what I'm talking about? That hunger can be satisfied simply by tasting that food. It's not that we're really hungry, but we want that sensory experience, and so we... we got to have some of that bacon. We've got to have whatever it is that we see on TV. We go to the restaurant because it looks so good as that's as sizzling and popping or whatever. There's another kind of hunger that comes. When, when we exercise and we expend a ton of energy, our body needs fuel. We, we need something in there. And that hunger is not filled by hot fudge sundae or by ho-hos or candy bar. That hunger needs meat and vegetables, right? We need some protein in there to fuel our body and keep us going. There's a fourth kind of hunger that we experience as well. It's, it comes in people who, uh, who chronically don't have enough to eat. I'm, I don't know that I've ever experienced this kind of hunger. It's the ache that's constant, that's devastating, because there's never enough there. Your body is constantly calling out, I've got to have more. That hunger can't be satisfied with one meal. That hunger can only be satisfied by a long-term, uh, by long-term taking in good, nutritious food that begins to change what happens in our body. If you can for a second, I want, just want you to think about the different kinds of hunger and think about the, their, the application of that to our spiritual world. Some of us uh, sense at Christmas time the, the, the sensory draw to God. We see all the stuff that's going on at Christmas and we think, yeah, there's, there's got to be something more. I love, I love the lights. I love all the stuff. There's, there's got to be more. And so when all the stuff comes down, that, that sense is there, but it's not really been fulfilled. For some of us who are here, we have been away from God for so long that we're like so, someone who has, is malnourished. Understand that that need won't be met in a one-time encounter here at church. No, it won't be met by Christmas Eve service. It won't be met by, by taking out your Bible and, and reading a couple of chapters one time and then putting it away. That, that undernourishment, that malnourishment spiritually can only be met by a relationship with Jesus that's constant and ongoing, where we're spending time with him, where we're hearing from God on a regular basis, where God is pouring into us over and over and over again. God wants to fill us up. He wants to meet that need. And we need to let him. For, for somebody who's hungry, what do you do? You go find food, right? Doesn't matter what kind of hunger you have. You go find food. Um, and if you don't know where food is, you find someone who can take you to where the food is. Uh, it's been interesting in meeting the people at Basic Needs and, and Beacon of Hope and at Redeemer. 
And in all three places, we had the same conversation. They said, you know what? There, there's a tremendous hunger problem here in mid-Michigan. The problem, though, is the people who need the food can't get here because of poverty, because they don't have transportation. It's not easy. It's not an easy path. So those people look for someone who can help bring them to the food. There are people in your lives that are looking for God, but can't find their way to Him except through you, through a relationship that you have with him. Let me encourage you. Look for people who are hungry spiritually at Christmas time. Talk with them about Jesus. Lead them to him. In 1989, I went on my first mission trip. I remember so much about it so vividly. It was, it was incredibly cool. We went to the Merendon Montañas outside San Pedro Sula, Honduras. Um, there in the mountains, uh, we worked with three different villages and, and, uh, and did some stuff there, did uh, vacation Bible school, met with people. Really, really fun time. I, on uh, one of the days that we were there, we took all the kids from the village, this is uh, 15 or 20 kids, and we took them off of the mountains, down through the city and out to the ocean so that they could play in the ocean. For most of those kids, it was their first time off the mountain. Um, it was an incredibly cool thing to see him play in the water, to, to figure out what, what do you do you know, when a wave comes, uh, to go through that process. But after we had been to the ocean, we came back into San Pedro Sula, and we went to a restaurant. The restaurant's name was Pollo Rey. Uh, it was Chicken King. And um, it was a, a little sit-down restaurant. We ordered every kid there a, a, a chicken meal. It was two pieces of chicken, some fries, and a biscuit. We sat and ate. The kids were playing. It was, it was so much fun to watch them in that setting. They were in the city they had never been in before, in a restaurant like they had never been in before. And it came time to load up. And, and I watched because there was lots of food on the table that was left there. The kids didn't have very much. Their families, for the most part, didn't make more than, um, you know, two or three, four, five dollars a day. They, they were poor. Every child, every child in the group collected their food that was still on their tray. They had saved a piece of chicken, most of the fries, and their biscuit to take home to their family who were hungry. When God provides a relationship for us with him, our natural response is to share with the people around us. At Christmas, there is this tremendous longing for the real thing, for the real deal, for Jesus in people. May we be the ones that share with them who Jesus really is at Christmas. Let's pray. Father God, um, again, I just ask that you would that you would work with us, that you would work in us, that you would send your spirit to fill us up completely. And that as a natural response of our love for you, God, that would be drawn to helping people who are hungry. God, that you would, that you would work in us to change our hearts, that you would give us hearts full of compassion for people in need. And God, I ask that you would open our eyes, that you would help us see past all of the stuff of the Christmas season, and that you would allow us to impact people with the grace of Jesus, God, that you would allow us to get into conversations, that you would allow us to come alongside people who are desperate for Jesus, desperate for a, a, 
a relationship with you, desperate for hope, God. Use us to let Christmas be real, to be the big give this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.